Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a phrase from Pastor Mike today because I love it. It's, uh, who's ready for the Bible today, right? It's so good, so good. And I love being at a church that uh, focuses on the Word of God and believing in Scripture. I think that's just such a cool thing. So today we're going to talk about the topics of forgiveness, love, and prayer. You know, three super easy topics. <laughs> they, there's a lot of depth and difficulty, honestly, with these topics, forgiveness, love, and prayer. Um, and, you know, this year, 2023, our big focus is on prayer. And so I think it's cool that um, as God was kind of giving me this message to talk about to you all, that prayer is a huge aspect that ties in with what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to hit three scriptures at first. We're just going to go through them, and then we're going to talk more about these scriptures throughout today's message. So the first, and hopefully you'll get to see it on the screen, um, Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, for those math whizzes out there, Jesus is not saying you only forgive 144 times and that's it. You cut it off. No, no. It's the idea that you are to keep forgiving continually, and it's something that you should not put a limit on forgiving others. The, the next scripture, Mark 12, 31, says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is from the greatest commandments that, you know, they asked Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? The first is love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm going to talk about how love ties into the concept of forgiveness today. The third passage of scripture here is Matthew 5, 44 through 45. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. I'm going to repeat that for a second. The second part. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Super easy, right? No, no, these are challenging pieces of Scripture because I'll tell you what, forgiveness is not something that is easy and natural for us. We have a sinful nature, and we don't want to let go of things that have wronged us. We want to hold on to it, and we see it all the time. And I'm sure you've experienced it. You know, who here, and don't feel like you have to raise your hand, I'm not trying to single you out, but who here likes juicy gossip? Anybody? A few, I see a few hands, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, I think most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if we start to overhear some juicy gossip, our ears maybe perk up just a little bit, okay? Now, I'm not trying to convict anybody here, um, but, you know, most of us love to hear a little bit of juicy gossip. Maybe we hear about, like, some family drama that's happened in somebody else's family, or, like, you go home and tell your spouse, like, did you hear? Like, you know, that's a fairly normal thing. But 
this, this, was, uh, this was kind of hitting me recently because for those of you who like juicy gossip, there's a big piece of news that came out recently. In case you haven't heard, Prince Harry released a new book. Oh, yeah, it's called Spare, all right? And this book, from what I understand, now I haven't read it, but this book is all about royal gossip in the royal family. And it is full of all the juicy details of the stuff that is going on. And I saw an article about how this book had sold like some record amount. And, you know, clearly people are interested. And so, you know, I didn't want to read the book, but I looked up an article and said, what are the main points in the book Spare? And just like looked at this article and, you know, my ear perked up. I was like, oh, I'm just kind of curious. And I read through some of the summary here and, you know, talks about the death of Princess Diana, his mother, and his his like anger towards the media and you know the 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 problems that they have and it talked about family problems and and his marriage to uh to Megan and how there was some like racial tension in the relationships with the royal family and he talked about people that had wronged him in his family and people that treated him well and and he's just airing out all of the juicy details and gossip in the family but you know what stuck out to me more than anything else in this? Was that there was a point that Harry said, I am willing to reconcile my relationship with a few people that had wronged him, but first, they need to do X, Y, and Z. They need to repent. They need to do things different. They need to make things right. And then we can be reconciled. And you know what? Those are super normal human emotions. Because when you are living with a relationship that maybe it's toxic, maybe it's difficult, maybe people have wronged you, you want to hold on to that. And you say, you know what? You were wrong. You were wrong to do this to me. You were wrong to do this to somebody I loved and I cared about. You need to change. And if you change, then I'll forgive you and we can have a relationship again. But you need to change. And you know what? That is how we all feel when somebody does something wrong to us. But I'm here to tell you today that that isn't true forgiveness. That's not what the Bible teaches. As much as we want to hold on to what others have done, the Bible teaches us to truly forgive. And true forgiveness does not put up hoops for the other person to jump through. As much as we want to do it and say, well, if you do X, Y, and Z, if you do this, then we can have a relationship. We can be reconciled. But let me ask you, is that what God did for you? No. The Bible teaches us that Jesus sent his son to die for you before you repented, before you came to know him. And God calls us to have true forgiveness. But this is so hard. And I would argue this can only come through love because this is not a normal thing to forgive one another. And I think it's helpful to see what a real-world example can look like. Of course, we have the example of Jesus. But I think it's really important to see, like, what does true Holy Spirit forgiveness look like? Well, some of you have probably heard of Corrie ten Boom. She was in a Christian family during World War II, and they had a conviction to hide the Jews from Nazis and to hide believers as well and to you know, hide people and help them escape this, uh, the, 
the persecution that they were going under. And they helped many, many people. But then eventually, they were caught in the act. And they were sent to a concentration camp. And it's a long, longer story that I'm going to share here. And it's worth looking into. But um, there were some amazing things that happened and everything. But Corrie ten Boom's sister, who she loved, died in that concentration camp. And she was a survivor. She made it out, and she wrote a book. And after the war, she was going around and basically sharing her story and sharing about the love of Christ and what forgiveness looks like. And, and during one of those times she was speaking, somebody came up afterwards, and she immediately recognized this man as one of the guards at the camp that she was at. One of the people responsible for the death of her family. And this guard didn't realize, you know, who, who Corey Tim Boom was and that he was a guard at that camp. But he came up and he said, you know, I was a guard at a concentration camp. And would you forgive me? And man, just imagine the pain and the feelings and emotions that went through her at that time. But she realized, this is what God wants me to do. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, she was able to forgive and to let go. And, you know, I think that that's such a powerful story because we've all experienced hurt in our life. And we've experienced people that have done wrong to us and to those we love. But, you know, that, that hatred that we immediately want to go to and that we hold in our hearts, that hurts us as much as it hurts anybody else. And God doesn't want us to live with that. God wants us to have the freedom in true forgiveness. But it requires a relationship with Christ, and it requires loving others, because we can't let go of that without love. And I've got to tell you, love and hate are far closer than most people think. Lots of people think that love and hate are opposites, right? It, it, that's what we kind of think of. What's the opposite of love? Hate. But you know what? That is not true. The opposite of love is apathy. Hate and love are very close because, get this, when you care very, very deeply about something, that's, that's either love or hate. Because when you care deeply about something in a positive way, that's love. But that can easily change to hatred because you care so much and you hate it. And God wants to transform the hate we have into love. And it's not an easy process. But, like, if you think about it, like, somebody that does something wrong around the world that you have no feelings about, like, that's, that's apathy. But if your sibling that you care about or your mother or your father does something that really bothers you, that love can transform to hate. And it can eat us up inside. And that is not something that God wants us to be holding on to. And, you know, the Bible says, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all people. Now, it's not always possible to live at peace. But as much as we can, that's important to try to do that. And part of the, a huge part of that is to forgive one another. Now, I want to I go on a side note real quick because I think it's really important as we talk about forgiving those who have wronged us. And we talk about loving our enemies and people that um, are very difficult for us to deal with. That is very different than just lying down and taking it, okay? If somebody is causing harm or doing something wrong, 
I am not saying that as believers, we are supposed to just lie down and take it. And I want to give you some examples of what righteous anger looks like. Now, this is a little bit of a dangerous topic because what I don't want is I don't want you leaving today and being like, yeah, I've got righteous anger. Everything I'm mad at, it's, I am on the side of right and these people need to change. No, 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 that's not, that's not what I want you to take away. And I'm going to talk about like kind of a check here for what righteous anger looks like. But I've got three examples of what I would consider righteous anger. First, you probably have all heard the story of Jesus driving out the money changers and the the merchants that were in the temple. Okay, That's a classic example of righteous anger. Now, I want you to understand why this was righteous anger. Okay, These people were selling uh, things like doves and things like that for sacrifices that people needed to sacrifice to... Uh, represent God forgiving them of their sins. It was an Old Testament thing where they were commanded by God to make these sacrifices as a payment for their sins. And these traders were taking advantage. They were stepping between the people's relationship with God. And Jesus came to tear down those barriers. He came to bring people into a closer relationship with God, and so we can have a direct relationship with God. And these merchants represented the opposite of what Jesus came to do. They were trying to swindle people and make a buck off of people's faith. And Jesus had righteous anger there, and he drove them out of the temple, and he made the situation right because he was, he was something inside of him welled up because he was like, this is so wrong and contrary to what the Bible teaches, what my Father in heaven wants. Another example is with David and Goliath. If you'll recall, David, when he was a young boy, uh, when he was like a a teenager maybe, I don't know the exact age, but he was anointed to become the future king. He was the youngest of his brothers. And and while he was still too young to to fight, um, Israel was under siege by an enemy of, of Israel. And Goliath was literally there taunting the people of Israel, and saying, your God's not real. Your God would strike me down. And he was blaspheming the name of God. And all these Israelites were standing on the other side like, this guy's huge. I don't want to fight him. They were scared of their, for their lives. And David came bringing food to his brothers who were kind of on the front lines. And he heard the blasphemy of Goliath. And he was like, who is going to stand against this guy? And he kind of looked around and Nobody was standing up for what was right, and nobody was defending God. And David had a cool relationship with God, and he knew that if God is on my side, I cannot fail. I can only be victorious. And, and so David decided out of a righteousness that came up in him, a righteous anger, so to speak, like he decided, I'm going to do something about this. It's the kind of feeling that like, I've got to do something about this situation. And so he went out there, and we all know the story that he defeated Goliath, and, you know, David went on to be a mighty man and a great king. But a lot of this story started with a conviction in his heart that this was wrong and he needs to do something. Another example, maybe in your own life. Um, If you've had kids, what happens if somebody comes and pushes one of your kids down on the playground? Oh, boy, right? As a parent, you're like, oh, no, they are not going to do that to my kid, you know? And you stand up for what is right, and you go in there, and you step in. And I've experienced this with my staff when I've worked at camp, and I've been the director of camps and stuff. And when, when you have somebody come in and starts chewing out one of my staff, I'll tell you what, I get in there, and I'm like, hey, hey, talk to me. Let's, let's work this out, you know? 
And I think a big thing is, it's not that I don't care about the other person, but I'm, I'm coming in there because the offense is against a biblical value. It's not just against me. And so righteous anger, I think a good check on this is to look and say, is this offense just against me, or is this something that is against a biblical value? Does it line up with what Scripture teaches? So when it comes to righteous anger, I think it's really good to look at, like, when we're forgiving others, it doesn't mean just lying down and taking it when there's a bad situation. I don't want you to put yourself in a situation that is going to cause continual harm, either physical or otherwise, um, just because you're forgiving. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't forgive. So I think it's really important to look at these things. So I'm going to talk about uh, Matthew 5, 44 through 45 a little bit more. This was one of the verses that we had at the beginning. So as you As you uh, have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, this comes to that kind of hate side of things, right? So, like, who is our enemy today? I I would say that, like, if you hate somebody in your heart or if somebody is, like, really persecuting you, they are your enemy. Um, And I think you kind of, we all kind of inherently know this person is not, not my friend right now. They're my enemy. And sometimes it can be somebody close to you, like a family member, or sometimes it could be a coworker. But generally, um, you know who your enemies are. And I want to talk about like how to respond to that. And you know, it, this verse talks about praying for them, and that's a very difficult thing to to do. And I'm going to challenge you on that in a little bit to find somebody to pray for. And I'm going to talk about how to pray for that person a little bit because it's not easy. And I've been in that situation where somebody. Uh, was very difficult. Think about a person who maybe does some of your pet peeves, and maybe it's your coworker or family member, or maybe like they do all of your pet peeves, or maybe it maybe they do all of your pet peeves plus some of the things they do. You've learned are new pet peeves of yours. <laughs> you know, they they taught you a few things. Well, who here has had somebody in their life that's that's been like that a little bit, you know? Most of you, most of, I can see most of you have experienced somebody in your life who maybe has just rubbed you the wrong way at times. And, you know, how do we pray for somebody like that? Well, you know, I think it starts with asking God for help. You know, going to God and say, God, how am I supposed to pray for this person? Now, this is not saying pray for condemnation for this person, Okay. That's the temptation is to be like, yes, God, I will pray. I'll pray for them to get what they deserve. No, no, no. This is asking God, how do I pray for that person? You know, these people a lot of times are going through something themselves, and they need the love of Christ as much as any of us. And so when we pray, start with saying, God, how do I pray for this person? This person, you know, this person gets under my skin. You know, this person is a challenge for me. How do you want me to respond? Help me to forgive them. Help me to pray for them for what you want in their life. And that is how we can start with that prayer. And it is not easy. And I want to kind of hit on family for a second. Because i got to say, out of all the relationships in this world, I think the best ones and the hardest ones start with family. So, you know, we're about a month out from Christmas. And Christmas is a wonderful time most of the time. 
it's a wonderful time to be able to get together with family and reconnect, and, and there's usually a lot of love, but it can also be one of the hardest times because we are dealing with family. And, you know, I have seen many examples of wonderful family, and I have a great family that I love dearly, but I also have challenges in my family, and I know you do too because we live in a sinful and broken world. There's not one of us that was born into a perfect family. I promise you that. Every family has brokenness and pain, some more than others. Um, And, you know, I think it's a good place to start because if we are holding something in our heart towards family and we have not forgiven, it's going to tear us up. It's going to cause us to have a harder life, a harder relationship. And God wants us to forgive and to be the one that starts that process of healing. Because if you are unwilling to take that first step to forgive, then the healing isn't just going to magically happen. And so I think that is what God might be calling a few of you to today, a few of you to do today. And I'm going to challenge you to think about that in a few minutes. But let me talk about a few stories of family. And you all have your own stories. You know, you know the challenges with family. I can see it. I see people nodding like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, family's hard, <laughs> right? Um, so I get it. Um, and I'm not going to share any stories. Uh, well, other, I'm going to share one about my son, but I'm not going to share any stories about this community because I don't want to cause any problems. But I'm going to share like how hard family can be sometimes. So uh, first of all, there's kind of the easy level, right? The easy level of forgiveness. And a lot of times with our kids, they will do things that need forgiveness. I'll tell you what. Um, my kids are young. But I, I already know there's, there's things that, that need forgiveness. But as a parent, it's pretty easy for me to forgive because I love them. I care about them. I want what is best for them. And so it does come natural. But I got to tell you a story about, about one of my kids. So, you know, I think all kids tend to go through a little bit of a rebellious stage. You know, you've heard of the terrible twos, you know, I think kind of around that two to three range. Like kids start to figure out, I don't have to actually do everything mommy and daddy tell me to do. Sometimes I want to do the opposite. And maybe you get to a stage where all the time I want to do the opposite. And so Buddy is in that stage right now. And we are dealing with whenever we tell him to do something, he likes to do the opposite. And I think the best example I can give you of how this manifests itself is a couple of weeks ago, we were riding in the car somewhere. I don't remember where we were going, but we were in the car and we decided to get them Chick-fil-A Happy Meals or Chick-fil-A Kids Meals. And you know, they love Chick-fil-A. And uh, Chick-fil-A, in all their wisdom, has decided to include boxed apple juices with every kid's meal. And, and that's generally great. Our kids love apple juice. But uh, they're all eating in the back. I'm driving. And all of a sudden, I hear Jenny be like, no! And I, like, turn my head around to see what's going on. And we see Buddy back there in his car seat holding the apple juice, squirting it all over the car window and door, just spraying that apple juice everywhere. Oh my gosh, and I'm driving, I'm like, stop it! <laughs> <You know? clears> it's a disaster. <clears throat> and, and if you ever see our car, you know why it's a mess, sorry. <laughs> you know, just, they keep doing that all the time. But uh, it's one of those things where obviously he's doing something wrong, but we need to forgive him, and it's easy because we love him. But what happens when you get to a situation where people should know better, and they hurt you anyway? I think of a friend of mine who uh, he borrowed money from his mom for something. I don't, I don't know what it was for. Um, 
but uh, he was a pastor friend of mine, and not from this area or anything, so don't, don't get any ideas, but, but uh, he borrowed money from his mom, and later on, his mom demanded the money back, said, hey, I need the money back, and like I said, I don't know all the details, but I know that he didn't have the money at the time, and his mom sued him, and guess what? Everybody found out about this because the paper picked it up because it was a local pastor, right? And so the paper is printing this news article about, you know, mom sues pastor son and son borrowed money and like, what's going on? And man, it was a disaster. And can you imagine the hurt and the pain that must have been felt by all involved? And it affected the whole congregation. And it, you know, like it was a very big deal. It really hurt. And you may have been hurt like this or worse in your life. And it's really sad when that happens, but God wants us to step in. And so how should we respond? And this is where, um, this is where I want to talk to you about our response to this. So forgiveness, love, and prayer. That's, that's kind of what I have, have summarized is what, how we should respond to the difficult situations in our life. And let me read Matthew 18, 21 through 35. So I said the beginning of this, but I'm going to read uh, the whole passage real quick here. So let's see if I can get the light enough. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Matthew 18, starting at verse 21. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, and his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay me what you owe. At this, the fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant as, as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Now, this isn't, I'm not trying to scare you here, but this is us. We are the one who has forgiven much. You see, no matter who has wronged you, hasn't our Heavenly Father forgiven more? And who are we to say, we're going to hold this against you, and you have to do these things to come back to have a relationship with me if we have been forgiven so much by our God? 
you know, I know for one, I want to be able to stand in front of my Father in heaven and be like, yes, please forgive me the way I forgave others. That's my desire because I want to forgive others and love others even if they hurt me. And that's what the Bible teaches us to do. And I would hate to stand before God and be like, please don't treat me the way I treated others, right? Like, and certainly, we all have faults. We all mess up with this. But I think what God wants is for us to experience healing and restoration. So I've got two challenges for you today as we wrap up. The first is to think about somebody in your life that maybe you haven't fully forgiven. And, you know, if you have let go of all the hurt in your life and you have genuinely forgiven everybody in your life and you don't hold any grudges, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Keep it up. But if there's anybody in your life that you're like, you know what? I probably need to pray about this. I probably need to forgive them a little bit more. And I encourage you to take this chance today to pray about that and to truly forgive them in your heart and do everything that is in your power to bring reconciliation and healing. You don't want to hold that a day longer. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do is to think about that person in your life that you don't like. Okay? Think about that person that rubs you the wrong way. The enemy, so to speak. And I want you to begin the process of praying for them. It's going to be hard at first. When I started doing this for somebody that really rubbed me the wrong way, it was hard. I kind of went and I said, God, I don't even know what to pray. Like, help. <laughs> help the situation. Help me to like them a little bit more. It's kind of hard, you know. But ask God. Ask God. Say, God, what do they need? What is it in this relationship that you want me to pray for and ask God for that wisdom and begin that process. And I'll tell you what, it's really hard to hate somebody that you pray for regularly. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to like what they do, but it's hard to hate them. And I think that's a key because God calls us to love one another as he first loved us, right? And that starts with figuring out a way to not hate them and to care about them and care about what God has in store for them. So I want to encourage you, forgive, find somebody to forgive, and to pray for somebody that's difficult in your life. And the last thing is, if you don't know God, honestly, if you don't have a relationship with God, these things aren't really possible, not to their fullest extent. You could try, but you need God in your life to be like Corey Tim Boom, to really forgive somebody fully in a powerful way. And so, you know, it's a pretty simple thing. If you don't know God, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And what this means is you're saying, God, I want you as Lord of my life. I want to follow you first instead of me. And then it means we serve a living God. Jesus was raised from the dead. So we're going to pray today. And if you haven't made this decision before, I encourage you to pray with me. And if you, uh, if you have made that decision and you uh, want to try to live out this forgiveness and prayer for somebody that's difficult, you can also pray along with me. I'm going to start with that, and then we're going to end with um, praying to receive Christ. And if this is the first time you've made that decision, please come up and talk to me afterwards. We want to celebrate with you, and we want to follow up with you. And if you are online today, please go to our website and connect with us through that or on our app, and we would love to hear from you. All right, so let us go ahead and close in some prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for forgiving us first. And and not making us jump through all these hoops 
to come to you, but just to accept you and your forgiveness and your love for us. And I ask that you will help us with the people in our life that have hurt us and have wronged us or those we love. I ask that you will help us to forgive them. Even if they don't deserve it, I ask that you will help us to let go of the hatred in our heart and to bring reconciliation and healing to that relationship. And Lord, those who are very difficult for us to love and maybe rub us the wrong way, those we might consider an enemy or somebody we just don't like, Lord, I ask that you will help us to pray for them. Help us to know what to pray. Help us to continually seek you about that relationship and so that we can transform that hatred into love. And lastly, Lord, for those who don't know you today, I just ask that you will... I just ask that you pray along with me if you don't know Christ and you want to make that decision. Lord, we confess that we have sinned. We know that we have done wrong, but we want to follow you as Lord of our life. And we confess that you are our Lord. And we know that you've raised from the dead. We know that you're a living God. And we want to renounce our sin and we want to follow you, Lord. So please come into our life today and help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.